0: This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to another episode of The Crowncast, the critically acclaimed Crowncast. Uh, I say that because I do want to reach out and say thank you to you, the fans. The Crowncast was nominated for a local award for the best podcast in Charlotte about the Charlotte FC, and so we'd like to say thank you. If you would like to vote for us as Best Charlotte FC Podcast, we'll put the place you can do that in the show notes. And we'll probably put it out there on Twitter and Instagram as well. And now, to introduce the gentleman who made this, the podcast, that is the best one in Charlotte, it's Ewan. Hello, Ewan. I'm I'm not sure how much of the credit I can take, but uh, that's very kind. And uh, yeah, yeah, happy to be here. And uh, yeah, it's great news. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you that just the fact that you're English... On a football podcast, I mean, it <laughs> helps. It helps that you are very knowledgeable about the game, and you know you've been studying it for years, and you follow multiple leagues, and you have a very tactical mind, and all that stuff. But what really matters the the thing that moves the needle, Ewan, is the English accent. Would you say that, sir?
1: Oh, yeah that that's that, that's the reason I, I get away with it all. That's 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 the only reason I come across as, as being any kind of uh, any kind of smart is that when it comes out in this accent,
0: it's uh, yeah, it, it just it just sounds like it should be right it just feels like football doesn't it (laughs) we made a joke one time that um we really wanted to get you and uh jess from jess talks footy on the same podcast just to watch (laughs) the world explode like just to have two english people on an mls podcast would blow the whole world up i think yeah the english majority on the crown cast (laughs) you know what i'll play third wheel i'm down for it (laughs) but uh the people are not gonna have to play third wheel tonight is you the listeners. And the reason is because we finally get to do our season wrap-up. We finally get to give out our big crowns for the year. We get to talk about the players who really stood out to us. We're going to talk about uh, our crown for the season, our goals of the season, uh, the biggest surprises we've had this season, both in players and in moments. And we're going to talk about some moments that might have disappointed us and some players we would have hoped to see more from. Uh, Ewan, I think for the sake of this, do you want to start with the good stuff? I mean actually that kind of fits the mold. Do you want to start with the crowns of the cards, Ewan?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm happy to go with the uh with the theoretical crowns here. Go with the uh go with the good stuff and then obviously I think the season left people with a little bit of a bit of taste we've moved on from the head coach, everything like that. So end being a bit more critical and and you know a little bit more forward looking although it is a season review.
0: Plus at this point in time if you just really want the good out of the season, uh, I will like put a marker in this podcast where you can be like, you know what? I'm good. I can stop listening to it here. I don't have to hear about the bad stuff. Well, yeah, then you can only hear the good stuff. Uh, I'm sure you know my usual sign out. So let's go ahead into the big one. Crown of the season, you and the player who across all of the games stood out to you the most to exceeded expectations, who was the man who do you give your crown to?
1: Maybe an unsurprising one because it's coming from me. I I think most people who know me and my thoughts on Charlotte would have probably been able to predict this. Uh, But my crown of the season, my player of the season is Carol Svodersky. And I think you can almost, you can almost leave it there and people will understand why that's the choice. Or you can kind of go on and on about the various things that he's been able to do this season uh, that mean that he's getting this award from me. I think to kind of put it here, quite succinctly. Um, we've recently come across the rumours that he he may well be leaving. We've talked about it on this podcast that he it's very likely that he actually is going to leave and we were contemplating the fee of what that should be. I think the way to put it is that thinking of this season without Karol Svodersky being there to provide the output and those little moments of magic which are able to help us out in games where maybe the creativity in general is not there, thinking of what this season could have looked like without him in this in the team is uh it is a bleak one and uh and, and offers a bit of a bleak outlook ahead of next season when like I mentioned he may well not be here but he's been fantastic and it was it's kind of funny how it's ended up this way because after three or four games it really wasn't looking like this was gonna be a player of the season year from him but uh it, it it's all it's all kind of turned around for him. Injuries to Enzo Capetti meant that he was playing a lot of football up front. When he was playing football in behind as well, he was able to uh, he was able to relate well with the other players and 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 come into that role a little bit more than I think he did in his first season when he was playing there. So yeah, I go with uh, with Karol Sviderski as the player
0: of the season. Uh, you're disgustingly predictable, Ewan. <laughs> but I love that about you. I know I know that you're going to fire fire the arrow straight and true. You're going to tell us the the honesty. He does have, I believe it's 12-goal season out of him. And if you look across it, it's relatively well split. You know, he got goals uh, away from home. He got goals at home. He did get a fair few of them out of penalties. But he's by far Charlotte's top scorer. He delivered a couple of moments in this season that blew me away. And I have to be careful because I might... I'm still flip-flopping on one of our later categories that I might talk about him in this, but there was a moment in this season that he basically did everything I fought him for not doing. We've talked about how he can sometimes uh, struggle to take shots on his right. And we've talked about the fact that he is unwilling often to hit the ball first time. And somewhere in the middle of the season, I don't remember what game it was, he just ran into the box like a second striker and on his right foot, uh, took a shot from the top of the box first time to a ball coming in that went exactly postage stamp top you know 90 and I just went wow the talent that this guy has that I that I know is in there and we've talked about it before about how good his ceiling is or how high his ceiling is the player that's in there is incredible and I don't think that there's anybody whether you love Carol Rodríguez or whether you don't necessarily think he's the best player in the game, who can deny that? I don't think anyone can say he does not have a technical level and a ceiling and an ability to go at goal that is anything less than the top class of MLS. I think there might be some arguments that maybe he doesn't always reach that top class, but I do think it's fair to say he has it in there. Uh, you feel like there's anything I've missed there on on Carroll and his performance this season no i
1: think it's um like i say you can you can go kind of on and on about the, <laughs> the different individual games in the moments. i think i think the game you mentioned there was at the columbus home game the one nil win uh where we get getting uh, behind it- with the ball over the top the ball comes in and it's uh it, it's a right footed first time shot in front of the uh i think the uh yeah, it's at home. It's in like front right of the... at the edge of the
0: penalty area.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. That yeah. It's one of the many. It's one of the many. And um,
0: yeah, it's. Um,
1: it, it was yeah, the it's... type of.
0: It was the type of shot I would describe as a thunderbolt. Yeah, it, and
1: <laughs> would have and taken those, some keeper
0: to save that. Yeah, those those leave an impact on you. They absolutely do. Yeah, I'm no, going exactly. to. I'm going to jump ahead now, and I'm going to do my crown of the season. There is a gentleman that I think deserves it, even though we didn't talk about him that much or give him that many crowns. I am going to go with Ashley Westwood. I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be like, well, you gave so many crowns to Adilson Melanda. You gave so many crowns to Christian Kalina. You gave so many crowns out there. You gave so many crowns to Diagara, who I, I think can't really be in this conversation. There is a difference between a singular performance that is explosive and is eye-catching and a whole season of putting in the work, a whole season of being a leader, a whole season of, of being the general on the field, of being the person who sets up attacks, of being the person who has to learn how to defend. There's a whole season of evidence of Ashley Westwood being the dad of this team. Just being the guy who everybody goes to, no matter what trouble they're in, no matter how badly they've screwed up, when they're happy, they go to Ashley Westwood. When they're sad, they go to Ashley Westwood. We as fans, when we think things aren't quite working correctly, we go, why is Ashley, what is Ashley Westwood doing to fix this? And you know what? 99.7% of the time we go, what is Ashley Westwood, the captain, doing to to fix this? You can then immediately look and he's down there solving the problem. He's down there moving the defense. He's down there covering uh, spaces in the team where we, our lines are separated. He's down there picking Enzo Capetti up off the ground and telling him to stop, play the ref, and play the game. He has become the captain of this team. And even more so now, if you look at the fact that we have uh, just lost Christian Latanzio, it certainly looks like Carroll is out the door. If you would have said, who were the three pillars of charlotte fc you would have said they were christian latonzio carol schwiderski and ashley westwood and guess what ashley westwood is the one who still looks like he is a charlotte fc man so uh you and thoughts on ashley westwood yeah i think it's fair i think it's fair i think if i was
1: uh if i was doing a a a shortlist ranking then he would have been second for me on this So, so it's certainly fair to give him this award um I think what you mentioned there with regards to him being a steadying pre- uh, a steadying presence in the side you you look at the team over the season and game to game month to month you're seeing so much change in terms of the personnel and there's different strategies being deployed he is the consistent he's the consistent cog in that team he was the he was the only real ever present because that you're factoring in the fact that Sviderski is is going away on his international duty and, and usually missing you know two games at a time for that. So Ashley Westwood, he is someone who, and I mentioned it before, I think is playing slightly out of position in his particular role in midfield, playing a little bit deeper when I would rather see him playing a little bit higher. But that almost speaks higher to his case as a player of the season, not only for the selflessness to play that role, but also for the fact that he was doing it at such a high level, I think it's a. Uh, I think he's had a really, really solid season. And again, beyond the just the on the pitch stuff, as a captain, I think you have to give him an absolute A plus for that. He he's handled himself incredibly well. There's been an incredible amount of difficult stuff that's happened throughout the season that he's had to, uh, you know, be the the main team representative for with the armband, and I think he's done an amazing job and. I, I'm I'm happy for him to uh, to get the uh, the crown of the year from yourself, and I just hope going forward now that we have a, a you know a winter a winter break where we recruit well and we're able to play him in what I feel is his best position, we'll get an be- even better even even uh, even better version of him, and
0: uh, that'll certainly be exciting. Yeah, we absolutely will. I mean, he's the type of guy who obviously he's not in the 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 sunrise of his career, but. He is the type of guy who, who doesn't necessarily look like he's falling off. I'm, I'm excited to see, hopefully, what he comes back and does next year, whether that's at the number eight position or at the number six, because then he will have had a whole offseason to, to have figured that position out, to have become that general off the pitch, and and we'll see what we find. Let's go ahead and jump into goal of the season. Ewan, I'm going to be rude to you. I'm sorry. I gave you the first player of the season pick. I'm taking the goal of the season yeah. pick. And it's mine fine, is, is very obvious. I had all sorts of amazing goals lined up. I've been keeping tracks of gold the season for a long time. And then Kerwin Vargas on the final day of the season went, you don't know what you're talking about. And he hit a bicycle kick in playoffs. Now, the bicycle kick didn't really mean anything. At the time, it was for us being 3-1, which still kind of feels like the game is out of your hands. But... Carwin Vargas hit a bicycle kick. When when this season started, uh, who was it that hit the bicycle kick against us in like our second game that made all of the headlines? Uh, it was the
1: Benteke ben scored a headline head yeah, a was, overhead kick yeah, against it, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
0: Benteke. Um, you know, we're like in our second game of the season or third game of the season. We've just been trounced by a team that's brand new. And we were on this podcast going, look, we just need to not be the highlight for the wrong reasons. And then we get a bicycle kick scored on us. And sure enough, at the other side of the season, when things aren't necessarily going that well in a game, Kerwin Vargas, who, you know, might come up later again, throws out an absolutely beautiful, fantastic, a goal of the season goal. And... I don't know if you've seen some of the photos making the rounds from this. Ewan, have you seen the like all of the different angles of the bicycle kick? I don't think I have. Is it is it just one of them where it's the uh, obviously
1: it's the one goal, but it's just here's the here's the camera on the floor by the goal. Here's the camera high up. Here's the
0: camera from uh, from the far side. Just every angle of it. There's a couple of pictures from. Uh, they're not like all collaged together. There's a couple of pictures that are just from directly behind the goal. It looks like the cameraman is off to the left side of the goal. Uh, So if you're facing the goal, the right side, from a goal perspective, left. And you can just see Carwin Vargas full upside down, full taking the kick, eyes on the ball going into the goal, and he just looks so controlled. Nothing about him in that picture looks like he doesn't have control of what's going on. And that that was so amazing to me the shot itself was incredible but then to see those pictures come out of just how athletic of how powerful of how skilled carwin vargas is and and looked in that moment just blew me away and you know what maybe he got lucky like maybe he wasn't actually in control but if you look at the way his face is set right there, if you look at that picture and you see his eyes, those are the eyes of somebody who knew he could do that. And as he was hitting it, knew it was going into the net. Uh, thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's almost a shame that, I mean, I say a shame
1: the circumstance that came in. To do that in the playoffs is, obviously adds, a, adds a, an extra layer to how impressive it was I just mean, it's sad that it happened in a game that overwhelmingly comes with a lot of, a lot of negativity and a lot of baggage for, uh, for people. And and due to the circumstances of how it happened, it was almost hard to fully appreciate it in the moment. Not only because we were losing by a, by a decent margin, but also by the fact that that, that numbs you a little bit. So then when you see that goal, you're almost, you're, you're not really sure what exactly is happening. (laughs) So it was certainly a strange experience. And, uh, yeah, a shame of those circumstances of how it came, but for the player himself to do that in the playoffs. Yeah, a, a, an amazing goal and yeah, well worthy of
0: uh, of the goal of the season. Yep, I absolutely think it is. Which one are you going to go for for goal of the season? My goal of the season, I was going to say,
1: and um, it, it, it's a very personal choice because I think it, it, it scratched a certain itch in terms of what I like to see from a team. Not directly me, but what I like to see when so analyzing a team in terms of what they do, and it's actually Westwood's goal versus Seattle in the uh, three-all draw. Goal where we we break pretty quickly, break into space, and Ashley Westwood ends up with the ball and, and dummies out the player going to block it, and then puts the ball in the far corner with uh, yeah with 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 plob and, and basically gives the goalkeeper no chance of making a save. I like it particularly not just because it ends with a great finish that in its own right could have been a goal of the season contender. I think the move overall. The reason why I like it is because although it's not the exact type of football I would like to play, I think it was an example of something that Latanzio at that moment could have said, this is why I am coaching when I'm coaching. This is why I'm, you know, putting out the tactics that I am, because we can do things like this if we're able to condense in the first phase, break quickly, get into a load of space, get Sviderski moving in space, then openings like this can happen if we can get the uh, the opposition's defence pretty stretched. So that's why I liked the goal in particular. I watched it and not only was there individual brilliance there, but there was also just the fact that it, it was good to look at and think, okay, the things that we're doing, it can actually be, it, it's being actualized in a game and, and producing decent results. So that would have been a nice one for the team as well. I'm sure they would have been proud of that. And it's, um, it's also Ashley Westwood who releases the ball in the first instance to Svodersky. So it's almost a nice, he, fin- he begins the move and then finishes the move. It's uh it's a brilliant goal, and that was going to be my goal of the season um, nomination. And it still is, but I almost feel like people will get mad if we don't mention the brecht Diagra goal versus Toronto. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> I feel like that's going to have to get a mention. And I almost half thought that that was going to be also. so I was going to be fine just saying mine. <laughs> but I feel like if we just go with our nominations, then we we might get some, some angry... Uh, Tweets or messages saying how can that be left out in a goal of the season conversation?
0: (laughs) So if if we ignore the rules here, which I'll try not to do too much, there it's amazing that Ashley Westwood has two goals on the season and they are both goal of the season contenders. (laughs) I mean, just so just so we're clear, you I think you could have picked either one of Ashley Westwood's and you would not have gotten much argument out of me. The one that you're specifically discussing, the one where he dummies the guy was so good it inspired me to make a meme like i <laughs> i have been inspired to make a meme on the internet like three times in my whole life and if you go look at our instagram you can still find that meme uh where ashley westwood just destroys that player um, yeah. the, I can see you, the video clip <laughs> captions now. <laughs> I think Ashley feel, Westwood I think destroys.
1: <laughs> I think you find Ashley Westwood in the uh in the in the comments of that as well. Is that the right one? Have I got have I got the right one? I think he replied. Oh yeah, I think he is
0: in the comments to that one. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully he enjoyed that one. But then he had the absolute stunner, the one where the ball came out of, you know, the sky, and he took it first time volley out of the air. Just absolute brilliance. So one thing that you said is you know, for this team not actually having that great of results, boy, they were entertaining. Like, we had some moments.
1: <laughs> yeah, we make sure we have some goal-of-the-season contenders, and we also make sure that other teams are able to get some of their own. So if we're nothing if not entertaining in terms of moments. Maybe the football in general, the stylistic stuff, a lot of the stuff that we like, maybe that can become a, bit, uh, a little bit subpar at times. But if you're just looking from an end-of-season perspective of what did the goals scored and conceded look like, we we do a good job of putting some uh, some some Hollywood stuff in there.
0: Yeah, Charlotte FC is going to be in the highlights, for better or worse. Let's go ahead and we can move on to our biggest surprises of the season. And let's do biggest surprise as far as a moment or part of the season, not a player. And this one goes to you, Ewan, because I took I took host privilege in the last one. All good,
1: all good. My biggest surprise this season, I think. The positive surprises of the season have almost come in small doses. I was thinking uh, of this award and I was almost going month to month with it, thinking, "Okay, if this had been asked in May, I could have said this. If it had been asked in Mm -hmm. June, I could have said this. Putting it all together as an end of season thing, there's been so much change in the team. There's been a real roller coaster of of performance. It's hard to really pin down one particular player for who has been a consistently nice surprise in terms of what I was projecting them to be in pre-season. So ultimately, Wait, are, you, are you doing
0: player now or are you doing moment? I'm thinking of a player. OK, I'm good with doing players first. Let's do players. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I was thinking, um
1: thinking players on this one. And, and ultimately, the main player that I thought of who really did overperform was Justin Merrim. I think just really. I and, and I'm not even oh. massively. I'm not even massively high on him. I'm not someone who's who's a massive Justin Merriman fan and I've made that fairly clear but as someone who came in who I thought was coming in for almost the sole purpose of being a veteran presence on a team that was having some issues to then be someone who started as many games as he did gave as many competent minutes as he did and had an output of I think nine goals overall five goals as four assists I was I was looking at this and I was trying to figure out someone. I was thinking, well, this player played well in this month, but then things tailed off and this happened and that happened. And then I got to Justin Merrim and I thought this is someone who is almost going to be in a Harrison Offal role. And suddenly he's playing as many minutes as he is and he almost has double-digit goal contributions. I'm thinking, as much as I'm not very high on this player, his contribution is way beyond what I thought it was going to be. So I'm happy to go ahead and, and, and give it to Justin Merrim. There's also a general... I think, and you might go for one of these players, but a general nice surprise in terms of a lot of youth players who across the board had their Mm -hmm. moments. But in totality, it was tough to give it to one of them just because the consistency wasn't there in terms of play time. But they all chipped in with their little moments
0: throughout the season. It was always nice to see. Yeah, I am going to go for one of them later. I'm not going to go for one of those in player who is the biggest surprise. Uh, The one I'm going to go for for biggest surprise is Brechtiaga. This will surprise Probably no one, if you've heard me talk about Brecht Diagata, because I was on mic, and you can go back and you can find this. I don't remember exactly which one it was. I was on mic as we uh, acquired Brecht Diagata going, I don't know why we're doing this. I don't see how this guy moves the needle for Charlotte FC. And he might have been the reason we made playoffs. I mean, he came in and he had one, partic- he had one big, big issue where he gave away a dumb penalty that cost us. And then he had one game on the right where he was playing super wide and super high, and it clearly wasn't his game. And the reason I, you know, or maybe the better way to say this is, he is so good that I can point out the negative stuff about his game in three seconds. Right? He gave away one bad penalty, and he had a game super high on the right he wasn't good in. That's it. Everything else about his, his game at Charlotte FC was groundbreaking. Everything else about his game at Charlotte FC changed the way we played. Everything else about the way he was at Charlotte FC won us football games. And that's, that's really incredible to say, for, especially for somebody who, again, not a young man, not coming from this league, is not accustomed to the league, comes in, hits the ground flying. Not hits the ground running, hits the ground flying you put Brett Diagra in the team and we had threat and you took him out of the team and we had half or less threat. So I think it's somebody who, who really deserves to get talked about. How did he, uh, how did he show up for you?
1: Yeah, I, I tweeted at the time of his signing that I was excited about him coming in um, just with the caveat of this is someone coming in and joining a position where on a team with some holes, he's coming into somewhere where we actually kind of feel pretty strong. We, at the time, I think we, we'd we already signed Scott Arfield. We were still yeah. working out the Westwood thing where we thought that maybe at some stage, Brent Bronico or, or Derek Jones would take over in the six and give Westwood that freedom. Ultimately yeah. didn't end up happening, but what it did mean was that we had Bronico playing further forward in midfield. Uh, we also had Ben Bender as someone who uh, people felt could play in that role at full strength. A lot of people would have said Sviderski would have been one of those advanced midfielders. So it was uh, with with Capetti up front. So it was, it was a signing where... I think a lot of people were instantly skeptical. Maybe not as much due to the player, but because they just didn't didn't think that it was an area that needed extra recruiting. And, and then you you watch the player, and I, I'd had a chance to watch a, a fair bit of him just by having a decent amount of access to League Earn, and you see that he's just very classy. He's very easy on the eye, very talented, very good in the small spaces, which is something which we really really lack in the team, and. It's it's one of them things where uh, you watch teams and they maybe don't have a very good one-on-one winger. They maybe don't have a very, they don't have any big midfielders. They don't have any, you know, real dominant strikers. And then when you watch that team so much and then suddenly they have something they've lacked, it stands out so much that you almost feel like you're watching something, you know, extra not you know extraordinary and 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 just beyond your wildest dreams almost because you've watched this team over and over again and now suddenly someone is doing something that you hadn't even factored in could be possible in terms of a tactical output because no one could perform that role and suddenly he's in there doing it so i i absolutely agree with this in terms of him being a big big performer from the point of his signing and someone who people should look forward to seeing a lot more of next season. He should be, and, and we're in the middle of trying to find a new head coach, he should be a central part
0: of the plans of whoever takes over next season. Yeah, he is. You know, I, because I have so much Arsenal history, I'm going to link it to a time at Arsenal uh, because it's, it's one of the, the brightest things I can reach for. And that is not that long ago, Arsenal were playing a striker by the name of Alexandre Lacazette. And Alexandre Lacazette's a good footballer. Like, I don't think there's anybody out there, especially if you look at his record since when he's been in Ligue 1, that would say Alexander Lacazette is a bad footballer. In that team, he was not getting it done. And everyone said, oh, but he's working hard. He's, he's trying his best. He's a good guy. He's, we like him as a person. Then they went out and they bought Gabriel Jesus. The difference between Alexander Lacazette in that position and Gabriel Jesus in that position was night and day. It was like flicking a light switch and suddenly everything was brighter. That was the feeling I got when Brett Diagata played his first game. It was like turning on a light switch and suddenly everything was brighter. And that doesn't mean the people that played there before are awful. It just means that he was able to illuminate that side of the pitch and make it bright. And I love watching that in football. (laughs) I, uh, I I, I think I've now run that one into the ground. So... Uh, since we have now done player, what is your surprise moment of the season?
1: Are we uh, are we not doing the
0: alternations anymore? Am I am I getting first dibs on each one? Oh no, wait! This is me. You're right. Ah. Uh <laughs> so I you know I felt I've like been talking for a while there, and I know people don't want me to talk. You're a too very much.
1: generous host. <laughs> yeah, I, I,
0: I do, I, but not that generous. I am going to take this one because I am going to take the <laughs> the chance to shout out an absolutely miraculous moment uh, from Brandon Cambridge. Uh, I believe this is the Columbus game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Columbus at home was Brandon Cambridge. Uh, Columbus at home was the Federsky goal um, that we mentioned
1: earlier. Um, the Brandon Cambridge. Um, Brandon. Game. Oh, it was Chicago Fire
0: at home. Ignore me. Yeah, you're uh, uh, getting your C teams wrong. You know, mixed. I up. got my I got my C teams mixed up. <laughs> uh, this is this is a young guy who basically got thrown into the firing line, right? At this point in time, we have Mackenzie Gaines. We have uh, Kerwin Vargas, who at this point in time in the season isn't firing the way he was at the end of the season. We have Justin Miram, We have uh, a couple of other people as makeshift maybe options on the wing. I think we had just played Carol Schwederski as a right winger because we did not know what to do with ourselves. Brandon Cambridge essentially gets forced onto the pitch as a kid and he looks at a stadium full of people there aren't that many people in the world who get to play in front of a stadium of thirty-six thousand people we take it for granted because it happens at every single game but there are maybe two are there maybe three teams in the mls that get that level of of support at every game it's us atlanta and can you think of another one you in
1: yeah it's um it's a small group if you're talking just in terms of numbers,
0: And maybe one of the LA teams gets it, right? That's it. Not that many people get that opportunity at all. And he, did, he came on that pitch, and it didn't overwhelm him. It didn't, it didn't break him. It didn't scare him away from the moment. And he took that, that brilliant double moment where he scores twice late on, and he, he puts his trust in his feet and, and goes and wins us a game. That will be something I remember forever. I mean, like that. When I was there in that stadium, as that happened, watching him take those players on and slot that ball away, that one, w- that one is burned in my memory. And so, I think that will be my surprise moment of the season. Uh, how about you?
1: At my surprise moment of the season is one of the funnier <laughs> moments I think I've seen <laughs> for a team that I was had a rooting interest for, and that was the uh, the, the League's Cup game. That we won against the houston dynamo i think if oh. anyone if anyone remembers this game which uh you know it's one of not only is it one of the big surprises but um it, it's also just generally one of the the happier games of the season because it was a big win a big moment and, and got a lot of people excited um but the general i, I say anyone remembers this if, if anyone remembers the actual details of the game at large it was a fairly underwhelming performance, I think, up to the point where we were 1-0 down in the uh, in the 80th, around the 78th, 79th minute. We'd maybe played good enough for a draw, but we're 1-0 down. You can't really have too many complaints. And then suddenly a ball over the top to Patrick Ajeman, which he's left in an amount of space which you absolutely cannot leave him <laughs> playing mm-hmm. a high line like that with a uh, with a centre-back who's just not going to be able to keep up with him. And suddenly it's a massive bailout and it's one all. Following one minute later, one of the, it's an all-timer kind of comedy own goal moment from Houston. <laughs> and yep. it, it, like we're talking surprise moment of the season. If you want genuine surprise whilst watching a game, we're watching highlights of the equalizing goal and then suddenly we're cutting towards the opposition goal where no Charlotte FC players are near it, but somehow the ball is going into it as far as surprise goes, I I don't think that can be topped as a, what is that? Hang on. What's going on? And you're celebrating, but you don't actually know what's happened is still kind of at a loss talking about it now, how it happened. As soon as I remembered this, I was like, yeah, I I can't put anything else down here. It's, it's almost, it's less, it's a different route to where you've gone down. Yours is a very pure, happy surprise. This kind of Mm -hmm. is as well, because it was a great moment, but it was a genuine shock as to what had happened. And if we can get lucky like this a few times
0: next season, we'll uh, we'll be all right. And if anyone doesn't remember this moment, Houston Dynamo have full control of the ball at their defense. There is zero pressure being applied. The person holding the ball is a center back who is, I want to say, 10 yards outside of the 18. Like he's way he's up the field. And without looking, he turns around and passes back to his goalkeeper, who is not in the goal. <laughs> Just commits the most egregious own goal I maybe I've ever seen. I don't it's a know. I've seen goal. Some long range Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. If if you had taken a shot from there as the opposing team, it would be like a point zero zero one xg shot. And this guy <laughs> passed it into the back of his own net from from long range. Uh, really did hit the bottom corner though. Great accuracy. Oh yeah, I, I have to say his accuracy, chef's kiss. It badly, uh, badly,
1: <laughs> o- badly overlooked in the goal of the season uh,
0: category. <laughs> maybe, maybe it should have been. Uh, let's be honest, we don't have that many times. I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but it's I believe it's Schadenfreude, which is the German <laughs> like to laugh at someone else's pain or to express to get joy out of someone else's pain. As Charlotte FC, we don't. You know, unfortunately, we give a lot of short schadenfreude. We don't get to enjoy a lot of it. So this was a particularly special moment. Uh, let's go ahead and go into the into the not-so-great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah So not-so-great stuff. If, <laughs> if you are one of the people who'd like to go and wrap the podcast up there, we love you. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for spending your time with us. And if you are one of the people who'd like to continue, we love you too. So let's go into the biggest uh, disappointment of the season would you like to start with the player or uh the moment of the season
1: i'll i'll go with player i won't play first on the last one so I'll, I'll go player first again with this one and um this this one i thinking i'm from going for you know the player disappointments and the player surprises i did try and take it back to the start of the season and in merrim's case the point which we acquired it uh acquired him think directly what my expectations were of them and then, you know, how they overperformed and underperformed from there. And for me, what I thought we were going to get this season from Nathan Byrne versus what we ended up getting from Nathan Byrne. <laughs>
0: if yeah, yeah for those, those who, of those who, those who you don't know the video, the podcast, <laughs> um, that was, I'm going to have to find somebody else to talk about. <laughs> well, I think no, uh, that, that, that almost says please. it. Although, yeah, he it? needs that, that to be called
1: out. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's it really was a disappointment because it was just we go we come into the season and it's going to be Latanzio's first full season. There's a lot of uncertainty about certain players. You know, there's there's new signings who people aren't sure where exactly they'll play. People know that there's a lot of young players who will be hopefully having influence in this side. And one of the few players that you almost felt like you could set your watch to was going to be Nathan Byrne at right back based off the performances that he gave at the end of last season.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it it wasn't a gradual thing where he declined through the season. It 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 was almost immediate where we were one, you know, first game, second game, third game, we were watching him and just thinking, you know, who 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 is this who is this player? What what's happened with him and and how has this happened so quickly? And, you know, a lot of people had cited, you know, his age with this, but he's he's not really old at all he's he turned 31 in the middle of the season he's he's in his prime years it's it's really confusing to see how it how this happened but yeah it was a complete it was a complete fall off it, his ability in one on one duels was particularly strange that was a really strong area for him and then suddenly it became one of the weaker parts of the team in total like you could see teams making a real purposeful point of coming down our left side so that they could get that match up in possession, he, you know, he had certain moments where you you almost felt like okay, he's kind of getting the hang of this uh, this inverting fullback stuff. But I don't know, maybe that is where you talk about his age. You talk about someone who's been a fullback at the professional level for over a decade, who's now having to learn a new way of playing, and maybe it got the better of him, and then ultimately got in his head and, and started ruining his game in total. But um, yeah, a really really disappointing season and a really hard one to work out from him as to why it happened and because it was so shocking i'm almost not ruling out that we could get the player that we had in 2022 back in 2024 because it was so so strange but there is also a chance that you know in sports sometimes a player will have a fall off and it's it's immediate and it's hard to explain and they just never get it back and hopefully that's not the case in nathan's in nathan burns case because we had a great player in 2022 and uh hopefully he can get that back next season but yeah, it
0: has to be said. Twenty twenty three was was really
1: disappointing from him.
0: Very very rough from Nathan Byrne. Obviously, I was going to pick Nathan Byrne as well, which I think you, you know, stated well that that says a lot, right? Uh, if you go back and you listen to before the season started, we sat down and we gave out players who we thought we could. We were excited to watch for the next season for what they could become, and my player was Nathan Byrne. The player that I was excited to watch, the player that I thought could really take off, could make this team better, was Nathan Byrne. You're right. On game two, we were like, "Oh, well, maybe he just needs time to warm up. Like maybe he he you know took a little bit of extra time off in the off season. He's not a young man." I think I am going to take a little bit of issue with you saying that at 31 you're still in your prime for a fullback. But uh, I <laughs> and yeah, he, I, I get, I get what not... you mean. It's sort of end of prime. I just mean like if he He's not thirty
1: six. Yeah, if yeah. he was, if he was going from age thirty five season to age thirty six, then okay. But yeah. to turn 31 thirty one in the middle of the season, you just you know maybe there's a little bit of fall off, but not what we saw from him.
0: Yeah, and then and then he just never got it back. And it was one of those things where every now and then he'd have he'd have one intervention that was really good, and we'd all cheer Nathan Byrne, and we'd all sort of look at each other and go, "Who is that? The one is Nathan Byrne back? Did he get his confidence back?" And then he would give away a penalty 45 seconds later. Or he would uh, just completely refuse to track his man. Or he would get absolutely burned down the sideline. Or this was a really rough season from Nathan Byrne. And I think you can put part of it down to the fact that we moved away from his strengths. You know, we went to a team, especially later on, that required big space players. And I don't think he's a great big space player. But when we were playing as a team where he needed to be a small space player, he wasn't a great small space player either. And if he's not a great big space player, and he's not a great small space player, then at best you can say he's situationally decent. And situationally decent is not good enough in the MLS. It's just not. Nobody can be situationally decent and, and hold down a starting roster on any team much less a team that's going to go and achieve the things that I want Charlotte FC to achieve. So it was a frustrating season from him for me, especially because I had such high hopes for him. But, uh, you know, that is the the way of the game. Sometimes it it develops beyond you, and sometimes father time is undefeated. I, I, I'll be honest, I really don't know which one it is in this case, but I, I think he deserves to be talked about. I am going to... Uh, throw up a, a nominee, Ewan, because you know I think we would have both picked Nathan Byrne there. I'd like to get your opinion on uh, Bill Chui Loma as as biggest disappointment of the season, because he came in as somebody who should have been forged in the MLS, somebody who should have been battle tested, somebody who should have been ready, and he was a nothing. His performances were so empty of of joy for me that he just felt like he was basically never there.
1: Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, we didn't have last season with with Billy Loma obviously. He he signed um, not too long before the start of this season. So it's different from Nathan Byrne in that case because we saw Nathan Byrne playing well in a Charlotte FC jersey to refer to. But it's kind mm-hmm. of similar in the fact that when you looked at the profile of Bill Tui Loma. He looked at his history as a player and just kind of pieced it all together. You felt similar with him in the fact of, okay, this is someone who we feel is very high floor. We feel like what we're getting here is is certainly going to be a level of competence that maybe as we, as we move as a team, maybe we'll look to, to upgrade on this, but we get, we feel like, again, I use the same phrase. You can, this is a player we can set our watch to. We understand that he's going to be someone who we can rely upon and you know, that, that, that absolutely didn't happen. We, we got a lot of issues with him straight away. There was a lot of errors leading to goals to the point where, you know, we, we're trying out e- almost, you know, everyone at centre-back. I think Nathan Byrne himself even played a game or two at centre-back during the season. I mean, I know he played at least a couple games at centre-back this season. I'm trying to remember how many in total it ended up actually being. I know I, Obviously, we ended the season with Andrew Privet playing in that position. Jan Soboszynski, who never really seemed like someone Latanzio particularly liked, he ended up getting some games there. The Bill Tuiloma issues ended up having a real knock-on effect with the squad because we just had a bit of a merry-go-round going on with with the centre-back position. So, yeah, again, similar in the reverse way to Justin Merrim. You sign someone you have a fair understanding of what you think you're going to get from that player. And in Merrim's case, it was an overachievement and with Bill Tui Loma, it was a uh, yeah, disappointing underachievement and uh, yeah, just, just overall disappointing. So I think it's fair to, to mention his name there, but at the same time, not ideal circumstances to ever be joining a club in. I think maybe yeah. you give him a little bit of, you give him a little bit of leeway with that, I suppose, but ultimately, yeah,
0: it, he, he didn't perform to the level that anyone would have been hoping for. So let's go ahead and let's go on to biggest uh, disappointing moment of the season. I think there's some big ones that are fresh in our minds that stand out, but the one that is, is going to be fresh in everyone's mind and really hits for me is when we give away the final goal away at Miami. This is a game that I have talked about in previous podcast, sum up our whole season. our Our entire season of Charlotte FC 2023 played out in Miami away from home. We had every opportunity to go take glory, we finished our chances, we got ahead, and then we crumbled. And there's really no better way to say it than the The disappointment of how many times, how often this team just crumbled under pressure, how many times they had points and gave them away past the 85th minute, how many times they had points and they gave up a stupid penalty to to throw points down the drain. This team did it like nobody I've ever seen this season. But that one, that one really mattered. That one could have been it. That one could have been where we secured playoffs. We had the opportunity. We were ahead. We had every advantage because they did not have Lionel Messi at the time. And we couldn't do it. We could not shut the door on a victory. And that is just what our season felt like. And in that moment, I I said out loud, if this was the last game of the season, it would have made sense for Charlotte FC. It would have been right. It would have been poetic. And I, I don't think I have been more disappointed in this team than that moment, despite the fact that that particular moment happened quite a few times. You in thoughts on this moment, or do you want to jump to your disappointing moment of the season? Yeah, I, I think the moment that you mentioned there, they are, you know, in
1: terms of the end result, of games you know they seem inconsequential sometimes but they do speak a lot about the general mentality of a team I believe I think you can gauge a lot from moments like that and and you know believe me it's it's something that head coaches and coaches in general absolutely will place an emphasis on because it's a reflection of them because anything which comes for you know anything that relates to a culture or a mental toughness is always going to come back to them People aren't going to look at a team and say, oh, they're not mentally tough enough. And they're going to pick out every player individually. They're usually going to go straight to the head coach and they're going to point that out. So it's a reflection of everything. And I understand why you've picked that out in particular, because it, it's very disheartening as a fan when things like that happen. So as much as it's maybe inconsequential, like I say, it, it really does matter. And it
0: matters to fans and it matters to coaches. Yep. What will be your moment for the season? Your, your disappointment of the season
1: yeah I, I was going through this and thinking about it and you know there were general disappointments from a tactical perspective which you know things that didn't develop over the season which we'll have a lot of time to get into and we've gotten into over the season but in terms of actual moments you you go through all of the blown two uh two goal leads and you try to uh you try to decipher them down into the one which you think was uh you know we which ones in particular really kind of irked you. And I think the one which I was most disappointed in was the second half away from home against New York Red Bulls in the game where Ben Bender has the two goals, which put us 2-0 up. I think the second Mm -hmm. half of that game as a moment in the season, I think is the most disappointing for me because that is a team. And in that moment, they were a team especially that had no right when going 2-0 down to be able to, bring a, game to uh, bring a game back like that. It was the manner of the goals. It was the manner of the performance. The idea that we would be 2-0 up in a game that we had decent control of, and then we would retreat in the way that we did and make the tactical adjustments that we did to become so defensive. There were games this season where we blew two-goal leads, where we were playing good sides, and they were having moments of quality, whereby, very disappointing to lose a two-goal lead, but okay, They've earned the right to to get a point from this game. That was an alarm bells game, and it came fairly early in the year when you know the the pattern of blowing leads hadn't fully developed yet, hadn't fully become a thing that people were talking about. And that was absolutely an alarm bells moment. Where okay, sometimes things in football happen coincidentally, but this, the things that we saw in the second half of that game, were very worrying in terms of the future projection and how we actually managed that game and we spoke last week on how latanzio that ultimately was what did for him his game management of when game states are changing and how to manage them and that was i think that was his uh, that was his worst moment of, of game management that he had and it ultimately foreboded the rest of the season and the issues that we had in terms of in terms of managing leads and games so i look back on that moment and not only was it really disappointing at the time but it was such a it was it was such a kind of beaming beaming light as to you know this this is going to be the issue the rest of the way you'll hope this gets sorted but ultimately it will I think it's fair to say that it it came to define the season and that was the worst example of it so yeah that would be my disappointment of the season and yeah it was just it was really really awful and I and I I did a bit of a rewatch of this on before when I was coming up with my answer for this and it looks even worse especially when you compare it to the first half
0: where we have such a decent amount of control it's just it, it it's yeah it, it's really bad <laughs> i wouldn't recommend and anyone else do it not not that it really matters cuz like i don't think it was a goal of the season level goal but that could have been a defining goal for ben bender you know i think that the result of the game takes a little bit away from the fact that i i don't think it was goal of the season i don't think it should be in that argument but it's probably in the next tier of best goals scored by Charlotte. Oh yeah. So uh, I think we are going to go ahead and start to wrap it up there Uh, as usual, despite the fact that we thought this one might be a little bit short. We've got a little bit long. That's kind of the (laughs) the crown cast way. So we would like to first and foremost say, please, please, please help us out. We do this at the end of every year. We do not, you know, uh, push the like and subscribe stuff very hard. So, If you would do us a favor, if you've enjoyed what we've done throughout this year, if you liked this one, go out wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate us. Please give us that five stars. Please hit that five heart. Uh, Whatever you can do, that really helps us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you're thinking about. Uh, When you do that, we get to not only hear your opinions, but those, those things that you put out there for us help show us to other people. If you would be so kind as to vote for us for the best Charlotte FC podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. So as ever, <laughs> dear listeners, we love you. Thank you so much for being here. We know that you have lots of things that you could be doing with your time and you choose to spend it with us. A huge thank you for another season uh, to you, Ewan. Yeah, yeah. Always a pleasure. Like I say, yeah. Here's, here's to another one. <laughs> here's to another one. And we're not stopping there because now we're going to transition from content about the past to content about the future. And I think that's going to be a lot more fun to talk about. We love you all. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com